Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fancy Football Fellows Podcast. I will be hosting today. My name is Cameron Lawrence. I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Mr. Tyler Plath. Tyler, how are you today on this Tuesday? You know, I'm good. I'm sorry as I'm adjusting the gain on my microphone. Uh, no, I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm. Uh, I'm slowly recovering from our little uh, 18-person draft that we had last night, and uh, that was a doozy. And yes, sir. you know, it was. It was. It was a good time. Uh, and especially in the format that it's in, it's a brand new league that we're trying out with a whole bunch of our friends. Uh, I can say with relatively, uh, you know, full confidence, my team is going to be out within like the first couple of weeks. Um, I, I panicked, drafted DeAndre Hopkins in the format. You should not be taking guys that are missing a whole lot of time. You know what? Mistakes happen. I'm just glad it's not in a like standard redraft because that's where we make our our money on. So yeah, for sure. So what Tyler's referring to is we joined a guillotine league, um, put on by one of our buddies. So in a guillotine league, the lowest scoring team every single week is cut, and all their players are dropped to free agency, and every other team gets to pick them up. So it'll be interesting. We'll see how it goes. I went, I went high upside guys. Um, so. I don't, I don't know how I feel. I reached on most of my players as well, reached on DK and Mike Will. Record, well, Mar- uh, according Brown. to the draft board, right? That's I mean, true. I tried, to use, I tried to use my rankings to the best of my ability, but at certain points, uh, let's just say the board got the best of me. <laughs> yeah, I, I reached according to the board a lot because I took Kamara at three. Um, but that's where I got him in my ranking. So, right. I mean, I I was with a couple of people and they were saying, Kamara three, isn't he suspended? I'm like, uh, uh no. I mean, no. he's well, he's well worth the number three spot. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. That's what you got to pay attention to. One of the big traps is not falling for the board um, and trying to game the board a little bit. Oh, I like this guy here, but he could follow me there. So, um, I tried to do that with both Cortland Sutton. And David Montgomery and both were sniped by the same team before I got my pick back. So that was great. That was fantastic. Loved it. Super happy. <laughs> you, yeah, and I'm going to say it real quick. Shout out to you because you know who you are. That, is, yes. that was sniping Cam you all know night exactly long. Exactly who you are. <laughs> you fool. Um, <laughs> well, obviously, Lucas is out tonight. Um, school starting, college starting back up. And so he's got some events that he's running um, for the students that he works with. So he is out tonight, but he should be joining us for uh, episode that comes out on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's, let's just roll right into news and notes. Cause we got a jam packed episode talking about top 10 tight ends, top 10 quarterbacks. Um, so we want to make sure that we give them their, um, their time. And we got, we got a lot of news right now uh, with a lot of cuts happening today, some big trades um, and just some other news. Kenyon Drake was signed by the Ravens today. We talked about the last episode that he was cut um, by the Raiders. And this comes along with some news that there's some uncertainty about J.K. starting week one. Tyler, what, what are you doing with the Baltimore backfield? I'm, avoid, I, I'm avoiding it. I, I mean, I, I'm for at least the beginning of the season, because I think what the Kenyon Drake signing kind of signals is that Baltimore is going to like gently ease J.K. Dobbins back into action. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, that, that sounds good then for Kenyon Drake and Mike Davis. I'm not touching those guys at all. I mean, you would think Kenyon Drake just because Kenyon Drake has a bigger name, but this soon to the season, who knows just how the workload is going to balance out. So it, when that's the case, it's just best to just not touch it at all. Maybe it's worth rostering and stashing on the roster, but in terms of week one starts and sits, no Baltimore back or no backfield, a part of the Ravens should be in your starting lineup. I, I 100% agree. The only guy running the ball that should be in your lineup on the Ravens is Lamar Jackson. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we will talk about him later, actually. Uh, next, next piece of news is another running back situation Marlon Mack cut from the Houston Texans. Um, he was a guy that we thought would be challenging Damian Pierce for their RB1 spot, but doesn't look like any more. Ty, what is the outlook uh, for Damian Pierce now for this upcoming season? 
I mean, Damian Pierce would be your first overall pick in your draft for this year. I mean, I should have known. Yeah, I mean, like, why? Why not? I'm, <laughs> that's horrible advice. Don't listen to that. Um, no, I, I, I definitely think Damian Pierce is. I mean, he has been the the hot name recently in fantasy drafts. I mean, he's going as what RB twenty seven now on underdog. Yeah, which is very very crazy. Uh, but at the same time, I can kind of understand it, right? You're getting yeah. an RB1 outside of the top 25. It makes sense, right? Um, we'll see just how much or, you know, how well this all works out for Damian Pierce. I mean, you're going up against second team defenses in the preseason. And, and uh, we'll just say that Houston is not the most ideal scenario. So he's not someone to reach on at this point, but there's there is a bunch of upside just because RB one in a in an offense that needs to run the ball more efficiently. Yeah, definitely. I I just don't see the upside there for Damian Pierce because he's not going to get touchdowns. They're just a team that's not going to score a ton of touchdowns. And so maybe if he's getting a ton of receiving work, but I I just I don't feel like that's quite in the cards for him either. Um, so running back twenty seven probably feels about right. It, it feels high to me, but it, it probably is right with the, you know, the way everything's working out. I mean, you can probably expect five, six touchdowns and that's yeah. probably, that's good enough for like low twenties. Yeah, definitely. Um, quick note to Jalen Waddle hasn't been practicing the last couple of days. Um, it's just something undisclosed. So just something to monitor as you get closer to the season. Um, I don't know if I'd let it affect my draft stock right now because it seems relatively new. It doesn't seem like it's an injury. Um, but I mean, I'm not taking Jalen Waddle a ton of drafts anyways. Right. So, you know, I, that's, that's probably why it doesn't affect me. Cause I don't feel like I have Jalen Waddle everywhere. Yeah. I mean, he's current. I mean, we've got him outside of our top 25, I think. Right. I think just top 20. I think he just misses top 20. Okay. So he's currently going off the board, like 16, 17, 18 yeah. range. That's that's rich for us. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that he doesn't have talent to finish top twenty, but just the situation scares us a little bit. The thing is, with the injury now on top of such a high ADP, according to us, like this, I'm assuming this post this pushes you and I both a little more out on while yeah. come time for drafting and stuff. Yeah. Next piece of news and notes is Jimmy G restructured his deal to stay in San Francisco. Um, there was some news that Seattle was interested, maybe some other teams, um, but that is squashed. It doesn't really affect any teams as of right now, but if you had any hope of Jimmy G taking over for Geno Smith, then that is squashed. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jimmy realized, like, I should just rehab here. Yeah. Instead of trying to rush back into playing rehab, Take us, you know, take a smaller deal now, and hopefully, then next offseason when teams are looking for another quarterback, right? Like another mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky situation, right? I'm, I'm like, I'm picturing Atlanta, right? Where yeah. Marcus Mariota signed a two year deal. We'll see how that goes. Desmond Ritter, if he plays it all this year and it doesn't work out, well, then you're looking for another quarterback, something like that, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can understand it a little bit. It just it feels weird, though, having a former starting quarterback in the locker yeah. room still as the backup. It just feels a little weird. Yeah. On the San Francisco side, though, it makes sense. Uh, mobile quarterbacks don't have the best track record of always staying healthy. So you have a guy like Jimmy G who you've been to the Super Bowl with as your backup. You know, it's hard, it's hard to beat that. Um, LaVishka Chenault was traded to the Carolina Panthers. Ty, is there any new fantasy value for Visca now, or are you still avoiding I, 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 if, <laughs> if I'm, you know, late round, just throwing, you know, darts just at anyone, LaVisca is definitely up there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I mean, he just kind of fell out of, uh, fell out of luck, I'll say in Jacksonville, just because there was a coach last year that just could not make up his mind about a whole lot. So, yeah. um, no, I remember when the trade happened, I immediately sent it to you and Lucas, and I'm like, hot take, he's now the wide receiver two in this offense. Um, 
I don't know if you can necessarily say outright that he's wide receiver too. Um, but again, late rounds, he's, he's worth a, he's worth a, you know, he's worth a pick, but he's not someone to reach on. He's, there's no guarantee in production just with Carolina in general, besides Christian McCaffrey. Yep. That's besides uh, that. So quick question, <laughs> Wandale Robinson or Visca? Oh, yikes. Um, Two gadget players on not two great teams with kind of crowded offenses. That's why I figured I'd ask. Right. Yeah, that's I, I totally get why you asked. Um, I lean a little more towards Wandale. Okay. Just, and I'll explain this quick. Kenny Galladay looks like he just does not give two rips about this year at all. <laughs> Kadarius Tony currently battling something so that to me screams like or tells me that like wandale could have an opportunity at some sort of playing time this year compared to yeah. visca you have no idea if he's gonna play at all so 100 percent um next news uh alexander madison's name has been kind of out there in trade rumors just real quick you can give 10 second explanation on it what is one destination that you think you could he could end up at and do you think there's fancy value for him there Philadelphia. Okay. And if that happens, he then becomes kind of like a low end running back too, in my opinion. Really? Because I think I think Madison is someone that you can give a workload to, right? Minnesota feels comfortable doing it when Dalvin Cook is out, right? Yeah. I I know that they use a, a you know a committee approach, but I I would not be surprised if Madison is like the early down back and then Kenny Gainwell is then the receiving back, but then and they then, mix in some receiving work for Madison because he can catch out of yeah. the backfield. So Philly comes to mind right away. I honestly was kind of surprised that like Baltimore didn't throw something out there. Just I, I know yeah. that the capital that Minnesota is asking for is a little, a little higher than probably some teams would like to pay. Mm-hmm. But like a uh, uh, J.K. Dobbins, Alexander Madison tandem seems like a, pretty solid. Right, right. So I mean, I think there are plenty of teams that are interested. I mean, what was it? Twelve teams that were yeah. interested or called at least. So there, there are opportunities, but I, I really doubt that Madison is traded at all. Honestly. Yeah, that's the thing. I think Minnesota knows how valuable he is, and so for a team to kind of give up what they would need for it to be worth it for them, I don't know if that's going to happen. And then the last thing we'll mention is um, just really sad news. Brian Robinson was involved in a carjacking, um, was shot multiple times. Uh, So he's probably, I mean, I'd be probably pretty surprised if he plays again this year. Um but you, you never know. Um, they haven't released many details, and obviously um, these guys are people. So, yeah. I, I mean, if, I, if I'm getting shot, I'm going to be honest, I'm taking the whole season off. So if he comes back, you know, you know, if he comes back, then that's amazing. It's just you're, you're not expecting anything from him at this point. I mean, that's something pretty serious. No, and, and I think people that are still saying, like, oh, he's definitely worth a draft pick are the people that are just really holding out hope and not really yeah. understanding the situation. Yeah. Um, we, I think, I think at the end of the day, all of us, all three of us fellows, I should say are on the boat of get well soon. Yes. Do, take your time. There is no need to rush back. You have such yeah. a long career ahead of you. Take whatever 100%. time you need. hundred percent. Yep. So we will transition from that <laughs> to our quarterbacks naturally. Um, and I, I think we go 10 to one again. Um, last mm-hmm. time we went, we went one to 10 or we went, ten, we went down. So I, I you know what? We'll, we'll go one down. I think this time we'll, we'll start at the top and we'll go down. Cause then we can okay. end with our honorable mentions. I, yeah. I think, Cause I think that's where the discussion comes in. Right, people know right. who's at the top of the quarterback list. It's once you get further down, is where you kind of want to expound on that um, conversation about these guys. Uh, so our, our number one guy is Josh Allen, and Ooh, I don't, shocker. I don't think, I don't <laughs> think that's going to be debatable at all. Um, he nope. should be. He's been back to back. He's a guy who can rush for seven hundred yards and throw forty touchdowns. 
you know, yeah. there, there's not much to argue with there. We all miss quarterback um, one. He started off slow. Weeks one through six was only the quarterback two and then finished <laughs> weeks eight through 18 as a quarterback one. So, I mean, never averaging below 23 fantasy points a game. I mean, it's just ridiculous what this guy can do. And he's proven that he's consistent on an amazing offense. So enough said. Enough said. Number two is where we really start to shake things up with Justin Herbert. Um, <laughs> again, no one could have guessed that one. No, nope. he finished the quarterback two last season. Um, and he's our consensus quarterback, too. Uh, we all have him there. He's in an offense with a coach that's going to throw the ball a ton. We talked about him a lot um, because we love Mike, Mike Williams. We love Keenan Allen. We love Austin Eckler. And it's because they're connected to this guy. I said it last time, and if I was going to bet on any quarterback in the NFL this year to throw 50 touchdowns, I would bet on Justin Herbert. I'm not saying he's going to throw, but if I had to pick one, it would be Herbert. Um, Ty, looking at Herbert, how realistic do you think that it is that he ends up as quarterback one? Oh, man. I I mean, it's hard to beat 40 touchdowns and 700 rushing yards from Josh Allen. Yes. Um, I think you'd never really want to bank on injuries being the reason, but like if let's say like Stefan Diggs goes down, right? Like yeah. a weapon for Josh Allen or Josh Allen himself, like misses a game or two, then Herbert kind of takes over. But I like, I think Herbert's firmly in at two. Yes. And well, I think this is a discussion worth having. We both love all three of us love Herbert and Josh Allen. We are not drafting him in redraft leagues. Unless you're, we're in a league where people understand not to take quarterbacks early because we're not paying a second-round price take for Josh Allen. I'm not taking Josh Allen over a Mike Evans, over a Saquon Barkley. And Justin Herbert kind of starts to get interesting as he falls towards the end of the fourth. If he made it into the fifth, then yes. But for a fourth-round pick, it's really, really hard to go, yes, I want to get a quarterback early no matter how good they are. Um. And I think, I think we'll kind of explain more with these next guys coming up. And you see in the later rounds, there is not much separating these top tier guys from the kind of, you know, 10 through six kind of guys that are going in the seventh, eighth round. I mean, there definitely is, but not for the price tag you're paying. Right. I mean, it's only what, like two, three, four points a game, yes. which like, honestly, like at that, that's just spare change at that point. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yes, 100%. So as we move to three, we actually keep it in unison. We all have Kyler Murray as our quarterback three. Uh, last season, he was quarterback five, and he missed weeks nine through 11. Ty. Oh, wait a second. I think he was QB 10. That I missed. My bad. Uh, <laughs> he was QB 10 I, because, yeah, those three I, weeks can add okay, up pretty quick. Yep. yep. So he's QB 10. Um, he still had a good season, though. Uh, weeks one through eight, he was QB six. Weeks thir- 13 through 18, he was QB six. So averaging 21 to 23 points a game in both those stretches. Ty, this, the thing that scares us is there's no DeAndre Hopkins weeks one through six. How does that affect Kyler Murray in your eyes? I, I don't really think it does, honestly. I mean, the team traded for Marquise Brown. Zach Ertz is coming back. Uh, Rondell Moore is supposed to be taking on a bigger role. Like, there is no shortage of weapons. And I know DeAndre Hopkins himself is a weapon, but... Mm-hmm. Again, this team still has plenty of opportunity to produce on the offensive end, where they will find themselves in shootouts. I mean, they, yes. that's just that's how Arizona is going to play this season. They are banking on the offense to win their win them games and shootouts. So I really, if anything, like Hopkins only helps out when he comes back. There's really no, you know, I should say, you know, dip in production without him. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. If only, if anything, he's, he's just going to get that much better when D-Hop comes back because mm-hmm. he's going to open up the field that much more. Ky- Kyler's another one of these guys, though, and we'll kind of see this pattern building up that he can rush for 7,800 yards. He can throw 35 touchdowns, you know, and he can have a week where he throws one touchdown, gets you 200 passing yards, but he runs it for 60 yards and a touchdown, and all of a sudden, you know, it kind of balances out. He's one of these guys with a super safe floor. And that's, that's the same with this next guy, uh, Mr. Lamar Jackson. Uh, last season was obviously disappointing with the injury. 
but we saw a different Lamar last year. Ty, do you want to touch on that a little bit? Just the difference that we saw in Lamar's production from years prior. Yeah, I mean, we. What year was that that he won MVP? Was that 20, 2019. 2019? Yep. Twenty twenty, he missed some time towards the end of the season again, and I'm trying to remember if that was. I'm pretty sure that was injury. Like that. Yes. That was yep. not just a lack of production or anything. And yep. last year he battled injuries too. And um, I don't think anyone's ready to kind of put the the injury prone label on him. But mm-hmm. I think the biggest appeal for this year, at least, is that it's a contract year pretty much for him, right? And if, I mean, if Lamar Jackson uh, is wanting to be paid like uh, he has been wanting to, mm-hmm. the man will come through. If and, and it's, I mean, let's put the asterisk on it if he stays on the field, right? You know what you get. You get massive rushing upside. You get a guy who has gradually become gotten more and more, oh, my goodness, who has gotten more and more comfortable throwing the ball lately. Um, And now this offense is kind of shifting back to the strength of the run game, which is where he, you know, won his MVP because of the rushing game. So I really, I mean, I know it can scare a little bit. it, It can scare people a little bit just based off of the fact that he hasn't really stayed healthy. But you you know what you're getting with Lamar Jackson, and you're getting a cheat code. You're getting a mm-hmm. cheat code. Let's just call it as it is. Yeah, he is. He might be the only quarterback that could rush for a thousand yards again this season. Um, last year, we saw the Ravens throw in the throw more than half the teams in the NFL. But mm-hmm. like you were saying, a lot of that reason is because they didn't have a rushing game. They didn't have J.K. Dobbins. They didn't have Gus Edwards. They had um, Le'Veon Bell. They had Latavius Murray. They had Devonta Freeman. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just not a good running game. So now that the running game is going to be kind of coming back, like you said, they're going to lean back into that, lean back into his strengths. So we know he can air it out, but we also know that he's going to be able to run the ball more and be more efficient doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to number five, we have Patrick Mahomes, which feels weird to say that he's all the way down at quarterback five. However, he finished at quarterback four this year and probably had the probably the second biggest loss out of any quarterback this offseason, losing Tyreek Hill. I'll preserve the biggest loss for Aaron Rodgers, losing Devontae Adams. But, Ty, what are your expectations this year for Patrick Mahomes without Tyreek Hill? Ooh, uh, I'm, I'm expecting less. Uh, all right, maybe the best way to put it. I'm expecting more. Uh, more balls thrown around the line of scrimmage more than downfield that we saw with guys like Tyreek Hill. Um, not to say that this team's you know can't turn five yard passes into thirty yard gains because they definitely still can. Um, I, I'm just expecting a very different offense for Kansas City this year, and we know the talent that Mahomes has with his arm. Mm-hmm. He has he he has arguably the best arm in the NFL. Yes. Um, so, you know, you lose your you you lose a guy like Tyreek Hill, but again, like you're still a top three quarterback in the league. You're in an Andy Reid system. Like top three seems a little bit of a stretch for fantasy, but he can't be any lower than five or six, just because yes. you know the talent of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Yep. Me and you both have him at five. Lucas has him at six. Uh, I forgot to read off Lamar's. Me and you both have him at four, and Lucas had him at five. And before we talk about the guy that Lucas had at four, I just want to add, you know, Patrick Mahomes is special, right? And as the price tag continues to fall, I still think it's a little steep for me to take Patrick Mahomes because he's going before Lamar Jackson, before Kyler Murray still, guys that we have ranked above him. So I'm not taking any Patrick Mahomes. But maybe you're in a league where guys are just so worried about Patrick Mahomes and he starts sliding sixth, seventh round. There he becomes interesting to me, you know, because he's still so talented. He still has Travis Kelsey. He still has Juju Smith-Schuster, who's never finished below wide receiver 19 in a full, um, full season. You know, they have MBS on the outside. They got Sky Moore. It's not Tyreek Hill. But they have pieces now that can still keep Patrick Mahomes relevant in the passing game. And I think that's something we have to remember. 
is that QB one finish is not out of the realm of possibilities for Patrick Mahomes. It's when you're that talented, it can't be. It's just if we had to bet, we'd bet he finishes closer to that five than he does one. Um, but moving on, we have Mr. Jalen Hurts. This has been one of Lucas's favorite players for fantasy football, I should say. Yeah, good he can, clarification. <laughs> he can be difficult to watch um, as an NFL quarterback. Um, last season, he finishes the QB nine, but that's because he uh, missed weeks 13 through 18. And before he had an ankle injury, which kind of bothered him the rest of the year after week 13, he was the quarterback two weeks one through 12. And a lot of it came in the fourth quarter when they were down and he was getting garbage time touchdowns. But we can't discount how effective he is on the ground. Ty, this year, Jalen Hurts adds A.J. Brown. What do you think that does for Jalen Hurts, if anything? Do you think it really boosts fantasy impact or does it kind of keep him around the same where he was last year? I feel like he kind of keeps him around the same as last year, but post ankle injury not so much what was before because it's it's something that i want to look up but like rushing quarterbacks when their team goes and gets a stud wide receiver Mm -hmm. does that help benefit their rushing game right in like a, a jalen hurts does it help out his running game or does it help out the running backs in the running game that's the big difference because it seemed like last year teams were willing to just line up right around the line of scrimmage because they knew the ball was they they were betting on Jalen Hurts beating them through the air. Yeah. Now that you have AJ Brown, it's going to pull the defense out a little bit more. I don't think that initially benefits Jalen Hurts right away. I'm not saying it, you know, it, it definitely benefits Jalen Hurts, right? But it helps out guys like Kenny Gainwell and dare I say Miles Sanders to a certain extent. (laughs) Um, But like, I feel like it helps the running backs more than it does Jalen hurts. Right. And, and I, again, I can understand why people are so in on Jalen hurts because you know what you saw last year and now he's getting a top wide receiver. So it helps out his passing stats, but I'm not sure where you should be expecting the same rushing stats we saw last year. Definitely. He was, he was definitely very, um, touchdown heavy as a runner, um, really relied on those touchdowns. The thing about Jalen Hurts, and the reason I know Lucas loves him, is he does have a safe floor, you know, because he mm-hmm. does have that rushing upside. Even if it does come down a little bit, it's still a safe floor. He still is, you know, he's probably going to get you six to eight fantasy points a game rushing the ball. The thing that's going to decide whether he can be a top three guy or not is does the accuracy come? Because if you watch that playoff game against Tampa Bay, I don't know if I've seen a pro quarterback miss as many passes as Jalen Hurts did. And so it it feels similar for me to Tua's situation, right? They've got enough pieces around them. It's can he put it together? Um, If we're looking from like a dynasty perspective on Jalen Hurts, I'd be a little worried, you know, because if this year doesn't happen, they might pull the plug and look to the future of, hey, we got picks next year. We could trade up for a Bryce Young, you know. Um, so it'll, it'll be really interesting to see how this year goes. I, I hope that he succeeds. I hope that he, had, you know, kind of takes that step forward. But like you said, we, we have to be hesitant on Jalen Hurts because he hasn't shown it on the field yet as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I mean, they're – excuse me i'll use the draft that we had last night as an example right i was a stooge and took lamar in the third i think Mm -hmm. not ideal not ideal and and again it's an 18 person league so there's Mm. a little bit of grace there but i looked at the other quarterbacks that were on the board still at that point and hertz was still there herbert was still there i believe and, and the only reason why I took Lamar was because I could get Rashad Bateman and get a, a stack, right? Mm-hmm. That's really the only reason. But if we're expecting Jalen Hurts to be up there with some of these top three, top five guys, that's a lot to buy into. 
I personally can't. I don't think you can either. Mm. <laughs> Lucas can. So it, it, it feels like, you know what? It actually kind of feels like the Jalen Hurts uh, truthers, I'll call them, right? The guys that had Jalen Hurts last year, yep. they're completely in on him again. So it's really just a rip of the Band-Aid. But you can't just expect Jalen Hurts to be, you know, everything to work out for him. There is some risk with Jalen Hurts, and I don't think the risk is talked about enough. Yeah, I think that's definitely a great point to bring up. Lucas would be upset that you brought it up, but I think it needs to be brought up. Um, Next guy on our list, number seven, is a guy who feels like he has no risk, and that is Mr. Tom Brady. The ageless wonder. Um, although in his last pre- press conference, he did look like he was aging a little bit. Um, <laughs> oh, just just a tad, just a tad. Just a tad. He finishes a QB three last season at forty four. Um, QB one in weeks one through eight. As a guy that doesn't run the ball at all, he was quarterback one, QB three in weeks ten through eighteen after his bye. I have him at seven. Lucas has him at seven. You have him at six. And I'm worried that we're going to be too low on him. I truly am. You know, with how how good he is. I'm sorry. I am like watching my hair (laughs) and it is just distracting me. Um, Because if Chris Godwin comes back healthy in this after, let's say he's healthy week three. Who is going to stop Tom Brady with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Russell Gage and Leonard Fournette? Who is going to slow that down? Because they didn't slow it down last year. Now you had Julio Jones. You lose Gronk. But I would say right now they're probably pretty similar. Um, And it it just feels like we're going to draft him too low. But I could never convince myself to draft him any higher. And he's one of my favorite guys to take because he does drop down to that eighth round sometime. Eighth, seven through nine, we'll say, depending on your format, depending on the league. I I just I I don't I don't know am I, am I wrong in feeling that or how how do you feel about Tom Brady? I I've been thinking about the Bucks a lot lately lately because right Chris Godwin, who knows when he's going to be back? He avoided the pup list, so like realistically, it could be week one. Let like I you know mm-hmm. I I shouldn't say realistically because <laughs> it still doesn't feel like he'll be ready week one. But again, like you mentioned, all the weapons that he has. But I think the thing that's not being talked about enough is that this offensive line is just completely different. Completely that's different. That's true. And, I mean, the, you've lost Alex Kappa, uh, Eli Mar- Marpe, Marpet, Mar- you know who I'm talking about. Yep, he retired. Yep. So complete interior is completely new because, I, I mean, Ryan Jensen came back, but he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Now you've got Tristan Wirfs and Donovan Smith. Like, solid tackles. But, again, like your interior – is going to be uber uber important and there's a i don't like i don't know like i think if there's any reason why tom brady finishes outside of the top five it's because he's not putting up 43 touchdowns and five thousand yards because yeah. of his offensive line right like yes the, the ball's going to get out quick i some of the guys on this buccaneers team are not really yak guys at all they're really just mm-hmm. like <laughs> deep field or downfield guys or guys that just catch and, and are immediately like on the ground yeah. right like i don't like again the only reason why he doesn't make top five again is because he is if he doesn't throw 40 touchdowns five thousand yards right yep. so in some ways like six and seven feels respectable but you know that he can finish higher because he has oh, done he it is. before. Right. Yes. hundred percent. I don't, I don't think there's any more I can add on Tom Brady. So eight, eight and nine, I think we should talk about together because these are guys that feel interchangeable to me. And I want, I want to see how you feel about that. That's, that's Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the reason I say that is because I think they're quarterbacks. Russ had a stretch where he is, but this year I'm not excited per se, about draft, drafting Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott. If I'm being honest, I feel the same drafting them as I do taking a Kirk Cousins or Aaron Rodgers later on. However, mm. I know that the upside with these two is much greater than those two. I know that the floor is much greater than those two. Ty, 
last season, Russell Wilson was obviously a little disappointing with the injury. And now he's in a different situation. What What is the ceiling for Russell Wilson this season? I mean, I'm not going to put it on the same level as Matthew Stafford finishing as a QB5 with Sean McVay, but it kind of has a similar vibe to it, does it not? Right? Yeah. Like, I, I like he's going. I mean, let's Seattle is pretty advantageous. For, oh my goodness, did I just make up a word on the spot? I did. No, I, th- I think advantageous is a word. Yeah, I just pronounced it wrong. I slipped it up. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> like Seattle was pretty favorable, right? Yes. Denver's arguably like the better team <laughs> to mm-hmm, be, definitely right? Like, yeah. I. I do we really need to start talking like top five upside for Russell Wilson? Just because you know, the quarterback that he is, he has weapons and you know that like the division that he's in, like it's going to be high scoring games. Yes. Like, do we need to start talking top five upside with Russell Wilson this year? It doesn't feel out of the realm of possibilities. That's for sure. Like, right. You know, he, he hundred percent could finish there. He's got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. I mean, they got good running backs. They're going to be moving the ball down the field. They're going to be scoring touchdowns. It's just, you know, I the worry I have with Russell Wilson is how much are they going to try and run the ball and just play good defense in Denver, and how much are they actually going to re- let Russ cook? Now, to mm-hmm. be fair, Seattle tried to do that for a long time, and Russell Wilson was still finishing as a top-five quarterback. Right. So it's not all the realm of possibilities that he does it again. But the rushing upside that he once had is definitely coming down a little bit, um, I think, mm-hmm. especially after the injury. So that is where I worry. But like you said, top five is not out of the realm of possibilities. And I kind of feel the same about Dak Prescott. You know, Dak Prescott has had consistent times where he's been a top top three quarterback. Um, maybe not finishing, but last season, weeks 9 through 18, he was quarterback three. Weeks 1 through 6, he was quarterback nine. So we, we know that he's got tremendous upside but losing Amari Cooper not having Michael Gallup back healthy right away it does worry me a little bit that maybe that upside isn't quite the same this year but I'm not going to move him outside my top 11 you know I I got him at quarterback 11 and that's as low as I'm willing to go on him right I I kind of have him at that floor because of that do you see anything different with Dak Prescott do you see a ceiling I don't or do you see like think the floor could drop out this year what what, what are your thoughts on Dak Prescott I see I feel like Dak is a relatively safe floor quarterback more than a high upside quarterback this year because there there are games where he could go off for like 400 yards three touchdowns right but then he could also have games where it's just an absolute stinker and it's like 220 and two touchdowns right like like it all evens out to be a relatively safe quarterback to have. Um, But like I said, I feel like he's like, he's lost the upside label and now he is really just a like eight, nine, 10 safe quarterback option. And for whatever reason, I like, he's one of the more, I don't want to say frustrating quarterbacks to rank, or to draft, but he it feels like he's constantly being taken as a like upside quarterback. When I like I said, I think that label has just kind of moved on, and now he's just really just a safe option at quarterback. Yeah, I I do think the only time I've really been drafting Dak Prescott is when I have CD Lamb and I want to make a or complete a stack. Mm-hmm. That's really the only time I've been taking him. Um, as, as we move down the list, we're, we won't spend too much time on Trey Lance. Uh, he's our quarterback 10. Um, me and you actually have him at 10, and Lucas, who is my guy, has him at 11. So, uh, so someone's lying here. <laughs> um, but Lucas did a really good job covering Trey Lance, so I'm not going to kind of beat a dead horse here. And um, if you really want to listen to it, you can go back to our last Tuesday episode. But he's another guy with a safe floor. It, if you're going into this year, who do you feel more safe with as your quarterback, Jalen Hurts or Trey Lance as your fantasy quarterback? Who I I lean Hurts just because we've seen a year of Hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
Trey Lance has the same, if not even more, upside than Jalen Hurts from yep. last year. Yep, I would agree. Um, we're going to move on because I think the most interesting conversation is going to be our honorable mentions because a lot of people are going to realize we left Joe Burrow off this list. We left Matthew Stafford. We left Aaron Rodgers. Um, you're going to probably be okay that we left Kirk and Derek Carr off the list. But, Ty, is there a quarterback or two that you really want to discuss right now? Um, I'll let you go, and then I'll if I have one I want to talk about after, I'll, I'll talk about them. So, floor is yours. Yeah, it feels like the the two guys that people are going to have gripes about not making the top 10, it's Joe Burrow and Stafford. Um, real quick, uh, for Burrow, Cam, you've got him at 9, I believe. I've got him at mm-hmm. 11. Lucas has him at 12. For Stafford, Lucas has him at 10. You and I have Stafford at 12. Um, let's start with Stafford, because that seems like the more straightforward out of the two at the moment. <laughs> Um, Stafford finished as a QB five last year. Uh, so getting into a Sean McVay offense really does make a difference. Um, he was a QB six from weeks one to 10, uh, and then QB nine from weeks 12 to 18. Um, he finished QB five with turnover issues, right? Which feels like going into this year, it's like, well, he's unstoppable, right? Like if he can turn the ball over as much as he did last year and still finishes a QB five, bodes pretty well for him. Um, I really think the reason why we have him kind of in that low-end QB1 and 12-man drafts is just because it's Matt Stafford. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. like, there are guys, again, like uh, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, who offer just a hair more rushing upside than Stafford. Then you have guys like Trey Lance and Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, who have complete rushing upside, right? And then you got Herbert and Allen and Tom Brady, who could literally throw for like 40 touchdowns a year, right? Like that's quite literally the only reason why Stafford is not in the top 10 is just because those other guys. Burrow is where it gets interesting, though. Um, Burrow in weeks one through nine was the QB nine. He was averaging 19 fantasy points a game. And then in weeks 11 through 17, he was a QB4, averaging 21 points a game. That includes his two games where he popped off for 30-something, high 30s, back-to-back weeks. Um, here's the thing, though. If you look at – if you I, you know, it's you could call it cherry-picking, but if you take out those two weeks, you have 1 through 15. He was a QB9. He was averaging 18 fantasy points a game. He only finished – I mean, he finishes a QB8 last year, but those two finishes where he had 34 and 38 make a world of a difference. Yes. You can't expect that every single week. Can it happen? Absolutely. But 34 or 38 can happen to a guy like Kyler Murray. Can happen yes. for a guy like Justin Herbert. Dare I say Tom Brady, right? Like. Yeah. It's not just Joe Burrow that can do that. So currently yeah. he's going he's going off the board as QB seven, which feels a little rich, right? Mm-hmm. But I can understand going and getting a Joe Burrow if you're getting a guy like Jamar Chase or T. Higgins as yes. your wide receiver one. I can understand that. But that's the only scenario that I see it. I'm not reaching for him outside of that scenario. Mm-hmm. I would agree. And I'm looking at our projections real quick. Me and you both have our quarterback nine through 12 within five points of each other. So it's not like we're, oh, Joe Burrow's going to be, you know, they're pretty much the same. It's just the way that the points fell when we were projecting them. With that being said, though, like you said about Burrow, if he's that close, I would rather than take a Dak Prescott or a Matthew Stafford at you know, where I can get him at quarterback 12 instead of reaching at quarterback seven for a Joe Burrow. Last thing I'm going to touch on is um, we listed off our next five guys of um, Joe Burrow, um, Matthew Stafford, Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr. And I'm going to be honest, Derek Carr doesn't belong in that conversation because he sucks. Um, All right. Now <laughs> Just we need to be said. End. Now we'll move here's, on to tight ends. Real quick. Oh, sorry. Here's the last thing on Burrow. Burrow is going 20 picks earlier than Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. Okay. That's, not, that's two rounds almost. That's almost two rounds, right? So if, I mean, Joe Burrow is currently going at pick 56. That's like consensus right now. 
56 is what round six yeah yeah that's round six round five round five even you're getting Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson in the seventh or eighth round um with I mean a point difference on a per game basis like yeah again in this scenario of getting a stack with Jamar Chase or T Higgins I get it I get it that's not typically me mm-hmm. because I know I can get, you know, a Dak Prescott, CD lamb stack, a Corlin Sutton, Russell Wilson stack. Yes. Where I can find the value in those quarterbacks later. That's 100%. the last little bit. No, no, hundred percent. That was, that was a great thing to add. Um, we're going to, we're going to kind of speed through tight ends a little bit because they're, they're more broken into tiers. I think is kind of the way we should look at them. I was going to say like, no one really cares about tight ends except for like the top three. Exactly. And so our top two tight ends are Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey. Me and Lucas have Kelsey at one. You have Andrews at one. I I think they're both, I mean, they're easily both worth, I think, a round two pick mm-hmm. because of their upside. They're guys that can finish, um, you know, as a top six wide receiver. To have that near tight end spot is huge. Um, but they're the only two that should be considered that high for me. Um, I might consider Kelsey at the end of round one, but I haven't been taking him there. If he falls me at like 203, I'd feel more comfortable taking him. Absolutely. I like Andrews a little more at the end of round um, two, but I would definitely feel comfortable taking both of them in the second round. I don't know yeah. what you feel about that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. Yep. Now, as we look look at our next tier, um, me and you have it as three guys in the next tier. Lucas adds a four, so we'll talk about him in there. Um, it's Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, George Kittle, and Dalton Schultz. Um, I go Kit, uh, um, Pitts, Waller, Kittle, Schultz. You go Kittle, Waller, Pitts, Schultz. And Lucas goes Kittle, Waller, Schultz. Or no. Wow. Pitts, Waller, Schultz, Kittle. Ky- Kyle Pitts is. and George Kittle were screwing me up there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> too many I's and too many T's. But this is kind of where I, I see them all very similar. I see it more as just Pitts, Waller, Kittle. Those three I see similar. Those three I think you'd be taking around four. I have it. I have Pitts at three, but I haven't been taking a lot of Pitts because he's going in round three. But I just I don't know if you know he's on the he's on Atlanta. Like he is he is the, probably the most talented tight end right now, receiving mm, by wise. far. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you're in you're in Atlanta, so I don't expect you to score a lot of touchdowns. Ty, out of the three, obviously you've Kittle the highest. Is he the one that you're most you're taking the most out of all three of them, or are you taking? How, how is that working out for you in drafts? Yeah, so let me let me start off by explaining the tight ends like this, mm-hmm. because I see Pitts, Waller, Kittle so similar to each other. I'm not taking them where they're going in drafts right now. Because they're going in that three, four, five round range. When I can't, I shouldn't say can't tell a difference, but when I have Mm. a tough time figuring out the differences between these guys, I'm not going to waste the headache in trying to like take one of these guys in those rounds. That being said, though, to answer your question, I feel better about Kittle than the other two guys. Waller, just because, look, uh, it's Devontae Adams. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and look, I'll give a little respect to Hunter Renfro, even though I think we all agree like he's going a little too early in drafts for mm-hmm. the scenario. But like, I feel like if you're in on Renfro, then you're out on Waller. And if you're in on Waller, then you're out on Renfro, right? Like, yeah. that's how it feels. Um, personally, I don't really want to deal with the headache of trying to figure out like how that's going to work out. But like you know that with Waller, he's such a big target in the red zone, and Derek Carr has such a rapport with Darren Waller that like that translates into this year as well. Um, so then you're left with Pitts and Kittle. I just think Kittle is such I, I I don't know why he's battled injuries. That's one thing, but it feels like he's just not really been utilized a whole lot lately. Yeah, I feel like that has to change. That has to change. Um. I don't know if we call it just the rookie syndrome where they target tight ends a whole lot this year, if that'll happen. But in order for this offense to really kind of, I don't know, 
I, maybe the best way to explain it is this. I think the reason why the Niners didn't make it to the Super Bowl last year was because they were missing a kill effect in the offense. I yeah. will I will say that with near full confidence. I'm expecting Kittle to bounce back this year because I think he gets more involved this year. Call me a stooge if I'm wrong. I just you look at the talent of Kittle in the scheme and the offense that he's in. There's really little to no reason why he shouldn't be more of a polarizing figure in that offense. But again, like I said, between Pitts, Waller, and Kittle, I'm really not taking any of them because they are all, all three of them are just a headache for where they're going in drafts right now. Yeah, usually when I take one of the three, it's it's usually Kittle because he's, um, and sometimes Waller, it depends on where you're drafting because one of them falls later than the other three. So if I'm going to take them, I'm going to take whichever one is last. I think the thing about Kittle is he gets penalized in fantasy football because he probably is the best real life tight end right. for NFL. You know, because he does so much stuff that's not going to show up on the stat sheet. Mm-hmm. And he he opens up the field so much because he is such a threat down the middle of the field. And I think that's kind of where it's tough is because he gets doubled a ton. And I think that's why Debo had such a great season, is because you have to be concerned at all times about George Kittle. So I still think he's going to be great, but I do think that's kind of you know where that disconnect can come in. Of we we know how good he can be, but why is he not producing? Bingo. Um, talking about the next group, we're gonna, we're going to lump Dalton Schultz in, even though Lucas probably get upset at us with for it. Um, <laughs> so we're going to go. Um, this will be tight end six through eight. Um, Dalton Schultz, T.J. Hawkinson, and Zach Ertz. So Schultz finishes tight end three last season. Hawkinson battle injury and was tight end 15, but Ertz was actually tight end five ahead of Pitts last season, um, which every time I see it, I'm just like, what? How, how can Ertz, you know, because he, he didn't even play in um, Arizona the entire season. He was traded halfway through the year, um, or not quite halfway, a little earlier than halfway, but still, um, you know, just something that you're not quite expecting. Lucas has Dalton Schultz really high. Tyler, let's, let's try and jump in the mindset of Lucas. Why, why do we think... Why do we think Lucas has Dalton Schultz so high? I think it's really because you saw the touchdowns last year, and now Amari Cooper's gone. So in some ways, not only does it open up red zone opportunities, so I should say more red zone opportunities for him, but it opens up the possibility to be more of a figure moving the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. right? So I totally get it. I'm just not expecting... What do you have? Eight touchdowns last year? Yeah. I'm just not I'm not expecting eight touchdowns from Dalton Schultz this year. Yeah, I, I would agree. That, that you know, it's just a tough one here. I can grab for you. Eight touchdowns. Um he only had eight hundred yards, um, which is a little bit lower. Um, like Pitt, Pitts finished with a thousand, you know, but two touchdowns versus eight touchdowns, that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. I could see him getting six or seven, eight feels high again. Anything higher than that feels high. I think he's a top five tight end if one of the other top five are injured. I feel very confident that if those top five play an entire season, they are solidified as the top five tight ends. Um, and that's just how I feel about that. Next guy on our list is TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson, I feel like, has been a guy that we've been so high on for so long as the fans community as a whole. And you just never have gotten it for a full season. You know, it's just, you're just always like, oh, an injury or, oh, the, you know, just the opportunity wasn't there or something like that. Is this really the season he puts it together with a crowded Lions offense? I, man, I think it depends on just exactly, you know, the status of Jameson Williams, because that's a, that is, I think, a, a factor that scares people. I also think uh, just the DeAndre Swift factor, right? And I guess maybe, actually, you know what? Ah, I take back all that. I think the thing is, do teams really believe that the Lions offense is going to be a threat? That's true. Amon Ra got, I mean, we we all know what Amon Ra St. Brown did at the end of last year. Yeah. We all know the threat that DeAndre Swift poses. Jameson Williams is going to be a factor when he comes back healthy. So it's really just a matter of like where do te- like how do teams play the Detroit Lions? And in some ways, I think that plays out in favor of Hawkinson 
because in some ways Hawkinson may be the guy that teams kind of like forget about, right? Mm-hmm. They, I, I mean, it could be a Monroe St. Brown as well, but in some, like, again, like Hawkinson can fly under the radar a little bit. And, and I think the one thing he finishes the tight end five in 2020, and that was like the one year where it, it came together the most. Um, but I, I, Again, I feel like TJ Hawkinson is going to fly under the radar when it comes to how teams play the Detroit Lions. That's why I'm in. I shouldn't say I'm in, but yeah, I'm I'm more in on TJ Hawkinson at his ADP than the three guys we just talked about and Dalton Schultz. Yeah. I, I would agree. I've been trapped in a ton of TJ Hawkinson that he's been falling down the draft board because he's gonna he he is a threat down the field. And he's you know, tight ends are different than wide receivers and they're utilized different. And I think he's really good at what he does, that if he can be healthy, we could see close to a wide receiver five finish for him this season. It's it's going to come down to, and this is the same thing for every tight end, touchdowns. At the end of the day, it comes down to touchdowns. And then that's something that our next guy, Zach Ertz, kind of saw a lot of last year. Let me let me check real quick. He had, I guess not a ton, but he had five touchdowns. Um he had 763 yards, 74 receptions. The biggest thing for Ertz is that he played all 17 games. So we only averaged 10 points a game. And that's kind of what we see with tight ends a lot. It's can you stay healthy? Can you play all 17 games? And can you put up a decent enough five to 10 touchdowns? And that's what keeps you relevant. That's what kept Ertz relevant last season. You know, you play all those games, you start catching touchdowns. Obviously, it increased when he went to the Arizona, and I think he's going to have an increase at the beginning of the season this year. Um, and so I like I like where he's going right now because he's going around that tight end ten spot. He's going close to rounds um, 10, ten, round eleven, and so he's another guy like Hawkinson. If I don't end up taking Hawkinson, I'm taking a lot of Zach Ertz this season. Yeah. Um, real quick, as I'm going to stall a little bit because I'm extrapolating. Uh, TJ Hawkinson's stats last year, and I that is a reason why you need to be in on TJ Hawkinson because he the pace that he was on, he would have finished with 86 catches, 120 targets, 800 yards, and six touchdowns. That was the pace that he was on before he got hurt. Okay, TJ Hawkinson last year, uh huh. And here's the other thing TJ Hawkinson, uh, in a point. Uh, oh my goodness, in a per-game basis, was averaging 2.2 points less than Dalton Schultz last year. And in terms of ADP right now, TJ Hawkinson is going a full round and a half later than Dalton Schultz. It's been crazy to watch that just shift happen throughout the offseason. Yep. Now to Zach Ertz. Um, Getting to Arizona was a uh, career uh, revolution for him. Yep. Um, he's got some rapport to work with now with Kyler. I mean, it's a yes. full off season and, and whatnot. And I know that he a lot of his production came when Kyler was out last year. Mm-hmm. Um but again, it feels like uh Zach Ertz is a main contributor in this offense. They just traded for Hollywood Brown. I'm expecting it to be one A, one B. Zach Ertz being 1B, Hollywood Brown being 1A, DeAndre Hopkins comes back. I think both of them, they take a step back a little bit. But I think the thing with Ertz, right, you're, you're, where you're taking him in drafts right now, you're banking on those first couple weeks without, DJ Hop, or we, without DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, you just have to recognize that when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, it's going to be a very different Zach Ertz. So I don't know if you try to flip him, you yeah. know, first couple of weeks, but again, when you're taking him, you can you can't really take him with the full guarantee that he's going to be a consistent, you know, starting tight end for you. For sure. Last two guys on our list are Dallas Goddard and Cole Komet. I actually have Komet ahead of Goddard. Um, and a lot of that reason just comes from targets. But Dallas Goddard is a guy that people love. And I haven't been taking any of them. And the biggest Zero. reason is he's the third option in a team that's not going to throw the ball a lot. Nothing against him as a player. 
nothing against his talent. It's the situation that he's in. And we got to remember that situation sometimes matters a lot more than talent in the NFL. You want to say that a little louder for the people in the back? Situation sometimes can matter more than talent in fantasy football. You need to know that one. And so that's why Dallas Goddard is a much more talented tight end than Cole Komet. However, Cole Komet's in a spot where Justin Fields has Darnell Mooney and no other options. He's going to get the ball because he has to. They're going to be down in every single game. And so that, that's kind of why I have Goddard at 10, Komet at 9. And the last thing I want to add, I'll let, I'll let you talk on either of those guys or whatever you want to say, on tight ends, is everyone after the top eight, everyone after Ertz, probably, you probably throw Goddard in there, everyone after Goddard, complete dart throws at this point. Everyone's like, where's Dawson Knox? Dawson Knox had 45 catches and nine touchdowns. He's not going to have a 20% um, you know, touchdown per reception rate again this season. Guys like Pat Fryermuth benefited greatly from touchdowns. Hunter Henry, touchdowns. Touchdowns are not necessarily a sticky stat, especially in offenses, offenses wow, like Buffalo, offenses like the Steelers. Maybe you could say New England, but they have a new offensive coordinator, so you can't even say New England. So off touchdowns are not a sticky stat. So if a guy relied on touchdowns last season, you can't count on him to be a top tight end again this year. Bingo. Yeah, I think with Goddard, we saw a career high in yards. And I'm pretty sure he led all tight ends. Beside oh, he was second because Kyle Pitts had a thousand. Goddard was second in yards. And he was second. I mean, yeah, again, career high in yards, career high in yards per reception. There has to be some sort of penalty, I'll call it, mm-hmm. for going and getting a guy like A.J. Brown. Yes. There has to be a penalty for a year two Devontae Smith, right? And and it, it boggles my mind that it seems like people forget about Devontae Smith when it comes to Philly. Everyone immediately goes, oh, yeah, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Devontae Smith yeah. would, would like to say something about that. Yes, 100%. Like, I, like, I get that a tight end, I mean, again, that's why Goddard is like that first tight end in the dart throw category. Because, again, no one knows how that offense is going to be run. We're going to bank on the fact that Devontae Smith was a Heisman Trophy winner and was coming out as the most perennial like weapon in the draft two years ago. Yeah, I 100% can't agree more. And then Cole Komet. Um, let's see. Where do you Volume finish targets? Machine. <laughs> he, yeah, I mean, he had 93 targets and 60 catches. That is uh, fair value or fair statistical value. Uh, finishes for tight ends Mm -hmm. no more Allen robinson steady qb situation now finally i'm not going to say it's going to be good quarterback play but it's steady new coach that is looking for just anyone to contribute yeah and no i mean and no jimmy graham that's the other part Mm -hmm. like cole Komet has the opportunity in situation that i we have not really seen out of a lot of tight ends recently yeah, if you give Komet six touchdowns last season, all of a sudden he moves up into a top 10 tight end. So that's not out of the room possibilities. But I am expecting this year that his targets go up. I only have him projected for four and a half touchdowns. So it's not mm-hmm. like I'm giving him a crazy amount of touchdowns. But I, he's going to score. He has to score as their only tight end. You know? I mean, he, he scored zero last yes. year. So it can only go up. Same with, I mean, that's how we feel about Kyle Pitts, too. So. All right, with that, I think we'll we'll wrap it up. Um, remember, follow us on TikTok, Fantasy Football Fellas, Twitter, FFF Fellas, the, uh, Instagram, the FF Fellas, and YouTube, Fantasy Football Fellas. Um, find us on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts at. Um, thanks again for tuning in. We had a ton of fun talking about quarterbacks, tight ends, ready for all those drafts to be coming in. Hope you're getting excited. This is the best time of the year in fantasy football. Tyler, do you have anything for the people 
before they kick off their drafts. I sure do. Come join us over on Underdog. Come play fantasy football with us. I mean, we the clock is winding down until the start of the season. Make the most of it. Come play fantasy football with us. Come beat us if you want. Don't think it'll happen, but I mean, you can try. You can try. Come join us over on our our, our uh, new uh, what do we want to call it? Yeah, our new community over on Chalkboard. Oh, there you go. Chalkboard is just like Discord, except it's just it it's just sports, right? Like there and and look, we have a brand new channel. I'll call it, yeah, the channel. I'll call it a page in our fantasy football fellas channel over on chalkboard called team reviews. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to send in your team for a little review, you can do that. And guess what? We'll go live on TikTok. Yes, we'll sir. review your team. So if you want to be featured in a TikTok live of the fantasy football fellas where we review your team, come join us over on chalkboard. Drop your team in the team review, the amount of people in your league, the format, everything, all that stuff. We'll review it on a TikTok live where we have a bunch of people watching. So if you want to be one of the cool kids, come join <laughs> us over on chalkboard. Third thing, and certainly not least, you mentioned it. It's draft season right now. Go purchase the Fantasy Football Fellas Draft Guide. You get all three of us fellas, Lucas, Cam, and Tyler. You get all of our projections, all of our rankings for each position in fantasy football, except for defense and kickers. They matter, but just not in fantasy football, okay? <laughs> so, but yeah, again, you get all three of ours uh, in the same draft kit. $5. Vemo. Yes, sir. PayPal. Cash app. Draft season. Invest your money wisely in a nice draft guide. Consider the Fantasy Football Fellows Draft Guide. There you go. I couldn't have said it better myself. And with that, deuces, and we'll see you next week. Deuces.